Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hey, history friends, it's Rebecca, hanging out on my front step with the kitty cats, 40 degree weather, a blanket, and some water dripping off of the roof. It's a lovely day out here at the farm minus the other three takes of doing this recording, which I am choosing to laugh at between the tractor, a squeaky Jeep, the airplane, the truck driving by the road. You would think it wouldn't be difficult to sit out here and have a gentle conversation about spring and how beautiful it is and renewal and all of these amazing little Zen things. And here we are. Listen to that. That is the peace and quiet that is spring. And they say that you should take 20 minutes every day just to sit by yourself and get to know yourself. And if you don't have time to do that, you should do it for an hour. And there's days that I really take that to heart. And when the frustrations build, it's difficult to remember to do that and to take the time. But we all need to. And I think that's what I appreciated the most about my conversation with Ben Mackay for this podcast. He's the creator of the African-American Registry. And it feels like Ben moves at a different pace through this world. And he notices things and he appreciates things about people's stories. And he sees how things connect. It's really special to me to spend time with someone who vibrates on a different level and can give me those ideas to move forward with the museum. So what we talk about in the podcast today is um, the McWatt Fellowship, and we are going to be getting African-American stories specifically this time. But Ben, as a fellow through this grant, is creating a template for us. This template can be used with any two groups moving forward that are different, whether it's an age difference, a geographical difference, race, culture difference, it doesn't matter. We're going to be able to know how to put two groups in a room together for a few conversations, ask some hard questions, and then record the stories. And our collection is going to be better for that. So I welcome you to the podcast, and here we go. Ben Mackay, in person, talking to me about cool and interesting things. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too shabby. The sun is shining outside, and You can't get better than spring. Agreed. So we came together today to talk a little bit about the McWatt Fellowship that you're working with Anoka County Historical Society on and some of the fun things that you've done in your past because you are quite an interesting person. Well, thank you for that uh, description. I I do what I do. I kind of follow my instincts. I have a little bit of a spiritual influence. Uh, going forward, and it's gotten me to this point in my life, and it has engaged me with the Anoka County Historical Society, so I must be doing something okay. All paths lead to the history geeks. Exactly. How did you first become interested in preserving the stories of African-American community members? Well, you know, that's kind of a long story in and of itself. I I was raised in a very multicultural community. Uh, The block that I was raised on uh, 
had uh, an interracial couple, a white doctor with his black wife. They were from the University of Michigan. We had a Korean family on our block. We had uh, uh, a deep Southern family that came to our neighborhood and community through the Great Migration. Um, after the uh, Civil War and, and Reconstruction and Jim Crow, we had a fairly elite uh, family on our block. We just had a very large mix of people and they all had kids. And so I played with them uh, and the innocence of a child coupled with uh, the resources of endearing adults that were friendly to each and every one of us uh, allowed me to look at the African-American community in a manner that brought out a lot of history that came from all of those areas that I just described through the families that lived in and around uh, my home. That piece coupled with uh, some, some placements where I knew that my roots came from Texas and Virginia and Germany and Kentucky, uh, all played into a, a love of history and a love of history as it pertains to descendants of American slavery. Oh, that's a fascinating way to grow up. Was there ever conversations that you got to be a part of that you know, really spurred your imagination into what would be possible as an adult? Oh, yes, there were a number of them. My Aunt Frances uh, broke the color barrier at the University of Minnesota School of Nursing in 1929. Um, and she was a, a, a big influence on me outside of my, my own two parents. Uh, my, uh, my mother grew up in an area of St. Paul called the Rondo community, which is very, very rich in and of itself uh, before, during, and even since the urban renewal of the 50s and 60s. Um, back to the, uh, the vastness of the people in our community, um, we had people that were victims of the Joe McCarthy era, era in the 50s that were very good friends of mine to this day, quite frankly. And all of that mix along with the stories that were told, uh, whether it was at the kitchen table or whether it was something where, well, look what this person just did. It's in the newspaper. All were influential, influential, if you will, um, in my value uh, to those, uh, those episodes, people, and locations. I think it's fascinating that you grew up in such a unique place in American history and that you have that firsthand knowledge of it? Not only whether it's first or secondhand knowledge of it, it was, it was also projected to me to be something to take to heart and to, to use, use a, a post-Holocaust phrase, never forget. Is that what prompted you to start the African-American Registry? Mm, I think that and, uh, and a number of things. I, you know, I didn't walk around with a, with a badge of honor on my chest as a, as a young adult saying that I knew so much about 
black history or American history uh, so much, but I did feel that I was uh, as knowledgeable or more knowledgeable than, than most people until one day the six o'clock news came on and, and Dan Rather said, civil rights stalwart dies in Alabama. And they went to a commercial break before they got into the meat of that newscast. And I was thinking to myself, names in my head on who that person could be. And it turned out that it was somebody that I had never heard of. And his name was Frank M. Johnson. He was a Supreme Court Justice in the state of Alabama. And before they got to the meat of his story, they had people commenting on his life and times and how it affected them. And two of the three people were people that I knew of, a guy named Julian Bond and a guy named uh, Andrew Young, who is still alive today. And Andrew Young basically said, if it wasn't for Frank M. Johnson, there would not have been a civil rights movement. And he, he chronicled the fact that the Montgomery bus boycott, uh, a few other uh, boycotts and protests for voter registration and just uh, civil rights in general, those bills had to be passed by a judge in the state of Alabama. And that man who was white was Frank M. Johnson. So he signed off on it. The Ku Klux Klan bombed his house. They threatened his family and so on and so forth. And once I became aware of that through that newscast, it made me just have this aha moment that maybe there are other pieces of history, other episodes, other people, um, other places that weren't getting the light of day. And that coupled with some other incidences and episodes in my own life uh, prompted me to begin doing the research that has evolved into what we know now in 2022 as African-American registry. How would you explain the African-American registry to someone who doesn't know much about it? Hmm. Um, the most comprehensive database of the Black experience from a descendant of American slavery that you can find, certainly in the state of Minnesota, I'd probably say the five-state area, I would put it in the top 10 for sure, uh, globally going forward. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 articles translated into 52 different languages. We, we've basically taken what uh, Dr. Carter Woodson created as Black History Month and put it into a 21st century interpretation. So we don't limit ourselves to the month of February, although we honor why someone would put something like that together in 1926 and celebrate it. But we take it to another level, we celebrate it, and more importantly, affirm it on a daily basis. And we have put it into two constructs for classroom curriculum education and for community involvement uh, education as well. So it's a resource the community can go to as well. Correct. No, that's fantastic. What is your your star article? Do you have one that gets a more hits over the other? Hmm. Well, um, yes, there is one that gets uh, visits and inquiries more so than than the others, and that's 
uh, article on the history of the word nigger. How do you handle that in the African-American registry? We, we break it down from its origins <clears throat> phonetically uh, all the way to uh, the aftermath of uh, George Floyd and Dante Wright's murder uh, by law enforcement and everything in between, how it relates to lynching, how it relates to um, jokes, how it relates to culture, how it relates to people who are African, people who are African-American, people who are white, uh, people who are on the left or the right from a political standpoint. We, we just chronicalize the whole history of it in one very, very long article with references to uh, at least two or three university programs. That particular topic is a real testament to the power of language and the power of how language evolves over time. I agree. <laughs> I think most is, recently uh, Samuel Jackson commented on uh, another podcaster that some of your listeners may know of, Joe Rogan, and his use of that word. Um, and my point is, is, is going back to your statement about the power um, and, and the influence of, of a word like that put on the um, airwaves, if you will, or the webways, if you will, uh, and the use and sometimes abuse of that. That kind of moves us into what I'd like to talk about with the street teams conversation, um, because that revolves around language and intergenerational storytelling. And do you see, especially within that street teams concept, language barriers between the generations as they try to get these stories recorded? Um, I wouldn't call them barriers per se. There's certainly disconnects. The street team programs of African-American registry, we have four of them. And uh, the one that brings you and I together is called If Not Now, When, which is the one that does pit generations that are separated together in a safe place environment. Now, with that, as far as language or abusive language or the disconnect of what one generation might know of a word like that top article or any, any, any word, it begs for a situation like the one that we are creating in Anoka County, where two of the demographics that probably have the greatest potential for unquestioned love of humanity are going to be put into a safe place to discuss their personal lives, to ask questions of the other because they know little about somebody that is maybe 60 years older than they are, or they know uh, they've only heard stereotypical things about people that are in middle school and they want to get information about what they've heard from the horse's mouth, if you will. All of those things uh, translate into an interpretation of one person to another that has a great growth potential to make uh, it easier for elders and youth to coexist and understand one another better. It feels like the magic of being in person 
and having those conversations and seeing each other as an individual reality versus a group stereotype get broken down with this street team program. I agree with that. Uh, we've done four of them. We're actually going to do another one this next month uh, in Southern California. And uh, it is the same format. Uh, we take people that are 20 years old and younger, and we take people that are 70 years old and older, and we bring them together in a safe place, usually with a meal, certain ground rules, uh, respect, things along those lines. And um, the goal is to break down those barriers, as you mentioned, to create this magic piece that has always been there, but has been a victim of the working world, uh, just generation gaps. Uh, sometimes it's a class gap. Sometimes it's a racial gap. Sometimes it's a religious gap. Uh, sometimes it's a, uh, a gender gap and, and have all of that stuff mixed together to get people to understand one another better through consistent dialogue where they're dedicated to finishing the course, if you will, which can last from a week to a semester. And uh, the benefits are, are, are immense because at the end of the session, we record question and answers between all of the participants. So they have a chance to uh, see themselves um, through the medium of video in the construct of a safe place environment. And I think that this program really creates the opportunity for both the storytelling and for the listening because you can't have one without the other. Um, so I can see that in your ground rules where everybody has to be both. Um, exactly. You know, we've had experiences. We did, we did a street team uh, with the African-American community and the Hmong community maybe three years ago, two years ago. And, you know, the recorded sessions where, you know, one young person may ask an older person a question or the reverse, you know, they're not rehearsed. You know, they may have the questions in advance, but they're not rehearsed. And I remember there was an elder Hmong man who was from Wisconsin and had moved to St. Paul. And uh, he was a, a young person who was in the Vietnam War. And then there was a young African immigrant person who was the first American born in his family. And one of the things that they connected on as they answered questions about both Ethiopia and Southeast Asia, and it was pointed out by the elder, but because it was pointed out impromptu, the, the vibe and the connection between them understanding that both of them shared a common bond because they were both American immigrants was priceless to behold. And we have that recorded on our website. And, and it is that magic that makes Street Team, if not now when, a viable community education program. And I think because of uh, my work with the McWatt um, Fellowship and your work with the Anoka Historical Society, it has the potential to create a similar magic in your community. 
my fingers are crossed. How do you see in your dreamscape, how do you see the project for us through the McWatt Fellowship and through working with your expertise on the street teams program? How do you see that rolling out in Anoka County communities? One of the things that we look for, and this is something that you and I have lightly discussed and we will continue to probe it, is to find people that understand the value of intersecting differences to find out how much more people have in common than they might imagine, particularly if they're um, 50 years older than someone, and even more particular if they might have uh, a different color skin than someone. One of the things that I know going forward is that there are people in the county of Anoka who understand this, uh, maybe through personal experience, maybe it's through their professionalism, maybe it's a combination of the two. We look at those people as stakeholders and we know that they are out there, whether they're in a place like East Bethel or whether they're in a place like Fridley, they are there. And for those people to come and work with us to unearth the young people or the elders or uh, the um, people who might be professional or the, the people who might be of a certain religion or uh, a certain gender, to unearth them and to, to, to market the concept for their participation, that's where the magic is. I know it's in Anoka County. I wouldn't have come on board if I didn't. And the more I interact with your historical society uh, and your staff and you um, and some of the educators that we're going to be interacting with, uh, I feel very, very good about uh, the outcome. It's been fascinating so far to spend time with you. And there's so much experience in your mind and there's so much that you've done, especially through this street teams program that I can really see helping the collection at the Anoka County Historical Society and helping us create space for the new stories that are coming in every day and would really help us better represent the full demographic of the county. And I think I would add to that, the, the, the new stories or the ones that just haven't been recorded yet, um, they're there, both of us understand that piece. And to have them be published and produced for posterity as they are interacting with, uh, say, another uh, less published and less preserved group of people makes that magic even stronger. Yeah, I love that. I, I do. So how can our listeners help? What can they contribute to this project to make it successful in the next year or two? I think just to act on one's curiosity. I think uh, curiosity is kind of a perplexing word depending on how one perceives it. There's one thing that we have uh, found interesting in our travels with the street team, if not now when, it is that some people, they engage in how uncomfortable they might feel at the beginning of hearing about if not now when. But one of the things that we have found with all participants is that the more you participate, 
the less uncomfortable you are, or the more you understand the beauty of being challenged because of your age, put up against somebody that's much younger than you, or being challenged because of your religion, put up against somebody whose religion is different than yours, or more how you are challenged because of the color of your skin compared to the color of someone else's and how that uncomfortableness is a beautiful thing because on the other side of that, there's this great internal power that some people may have not noticed about themselves, but they will find it. And when they find that, that's where the magic really starts to happen. It makes me very hopeful to think there's going to be all sorts of little sparkly magic moments going on in Anoka County soon. Especially with the kids. You know, there's an old saying that uh, certain pockets of developed societies um, have a tendency to value strength more so than other aspects of a person or a community's character. And that very old people and very young people still have a natural grasp on the true meaning of love and its coexistence, which is why we choose these two groups of people to come together, create that magic, record that magic, and publish that magic. I think that is about the best statement that we could close on, Ben. I think that is just a beautiful way of wording it. Well, we're going to have at it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. It's going to be fun. It is. It has been already. And I truly appreciate your time and your ability to come work with us through this McWatt Fellowship. And I am extremely excited to see how the community engagement aspect of this goes. And anybody who wants to come forward and volunteer and help get these street teams started in your community, let us know. And uh, Ben, can't thank you enough for your time. Likewise, thank you so much for the opportunity, uh, Rebecca. Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, I'm Diana Nurberg, an adult services librarian for Anoka County Library. I'm here with some additional reading and viewing suggestions if you enjoyed this episode. First, we have How to Live Forever, The Enduring Power of Connecting the Generations by Mark Friedman. While the title might suggest this is a book about finding the fountain of youth, it's actually a compelling argument that all generations would benefit from being more integrated into each other's lives. The book provides numerous examples of programs that make use of older adults providing assistance to, to the lives of younger people and vice versa. Next, we have Minnesota's Black Community in the 21st Century by Anthony Scott. Published by the Minnesota Historical Society Press, this book features a who's who of influential Black figures in the state of Minnesota. These leaders and their contributions span many fields, including entrepreneurship, medicine, education, arts, and more. Next, we have Collective Wisdom, Lessons, Inspiration, and Advice from Women Over 50 by Grace Bonney. Now, this is a book highlighting the stories of women who are over the age of 50 and who come from a variety of cultural backgrounds. Some stories are individual, while others are intergenerational. The editor highlights the importance of intergenerational community in the first few pages by devoting a full page to a Gloria Steinem quote. 
we need to remember across generations that there is as much to learn as there is to teach. Tell Me Who You Are, Sharing Our Stories of Race, Culture, and Identity by Winona Guo and Priya Volchi. In Tell Me Who You Are, the authors present the results of their year-long cross-country travels asking people about who they are, about how race, culture, or intersectionality had impacted their lives. The stories and photos of over 150 Americans grace the pages of this book, giving readers an incredibly nuanced look at these issues. Finally, I want to tell you about Canopy. Now, this is a uh, digital service available to Anoka County Library cardholders. Canopy offers a collection of over 30,000 films that you can stream anytime, anywhere on your preferred devices. Uh, one film I want to tell you about is called Stages. It's a documentary. In New York City's oldest community center, a group of older Puerto Rican women and inner-city youth come together to create an original play out of the stories of their lives. Weaving together themes of immigration, identity, aging, and coming of age, Stages offers an intimate portrait of an unlikely ensemble, transformed by the liberating power of their own stories, first as they are spoken across generations and later when they are performed for a sold-out show. Thank you for listening and happy learning. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anocacountyhistory.org. Thank you for spending time with the podcast and listening to my conversation with Ben. In another couple weeks, you're going to meet Adem Ajulu, who's the other McWatt fellow, who's working on a completely different project. So I look forward to sharing that experience with you as well. What we would love is for you to think about the groups that are in your life and the people that you know and where we can take this project moving forward and where we can get the great stories in Anoka County for our collections. We're so lucky to have a rich history that's already preserved and it was only because of the people thinking ahead 150 years ago that preserved their legacy from the immigration stories from what the county was like when it first started, from the agriculture side of things, Native American side of things. And we need to do that now. We need to keep that pace up. We need to preserve history as it happens today. And we can only do that with your help. So whether it's a donation of time, of effort, of thought, of brainstorming, of money, of love, of advocacy, we need to work on this together as a community. And I know that you're going to be able to help us so again, thanks so much for supporting the podcast, supporting the Historical Society, and most of all, supporting the collection and preservation of local history. We'll see you next time. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anocacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at History 21 The Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.